Welcome back to Coin Scrum Markets. I'm Tina Baker-Taylor, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Yoan Turpin, co-founder and head of business development at Woodmute. Hi, Yoan. Hi, Tina. Thanks for, thanks for hosting us. No, it's great to have you. And Constantine Kogan, partner at Bitbull Capital and managing director at Wave Financial. Hi, Constantine. Hi, Tina. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to, to have you both. So um, we're going to talk a little bit today uh, about liquidity for institutions. Um, but before we get started, just to set the scene a little bit, it's been quite a strong start to the year um, by really any metric with the investment thesis for Bitcoin and other crypto assets finally reaching um, a, a much more positive stride after you know many years of expectation. And along with direct investment into assets, venture capital is also pouring in to fund the growth of this market infrastructure in particular. So, Johan, you um, have uh, been part of uh, closing two funding rounds this past year, including a $20 million Series B this month with heavyweights, Pantera, Lightspeed, and Fidelity's investment arm, FMR. So, congratulations to you. Yeah, thank you on, on behalf of the team, really. Uh, it's been, yeah, it's been an interesting, an interesting venture. Awesome. So let's kick off with that news. Tell us a little bit more about the company background and how it evolved to, to get to this point. And uh, what's the secret sauce that enabled you to attract this caliber or the, these caliber of investors? So um, the secret sauce, I think, is the, the, the what are the one trillion dollar question as such. But um, I think, and there's a lot of hindsight in there. I think what the way the way you could um, summarize it is very much uh, it's the whole alignment of planets between a set of you know the right chemistry around the team. So we 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 had from the start uh, a fairly experienced team with uh, my co-founder and CEO, who's built an ETF business inside of a, a large you know, buy side prop trading firm in, in Holland, uh, where we all used to work. That's the, it was, so we all ex-Optiva as such. Um, I've built, I built some desks over there in the option space. So, you know, listening to central bankers all day, uh, trading interest rates um, and doing more volatility arbitrage at the time. And then I built different ventures since in the, in the trading space, but also spent time in the, in the VC and the startup studio space. Uh, so you've got a, a reasonable reasonably qualified team at the start and then we've got um before the high caliber of of um you know the, the vcs like lightspeed and pantera we we already had a fairly decent roster of um super angels from our first round in 2018 who actually helped you know really validate uh, the proposition and really you know gave us some money you know uh pre-revenue essentially just to build the first layer of tech mm-hmm. um with more, you know, with validation from early, early investors. Uh, so the second round we did with uh, blockchain uh, ventures. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you know well, you know, uh, Sam Harrison and you know Peter Smith, who who was able, um, both of them actually to very much. Peter Smith really understood the the business uh, model as such, which is not a business model that's easily understood by most VCs at the start, mm-hmm. and especially understood the scalability of the business. Um, so we had a lot of validation from Peter Smith and, uh, you know, and Sam Harrison there. Um, and I would say there's, there's also a dynamic where there's been obviously between the traction and the revalidation of the environment, uh, you know, of a year like 2020, where we were already a fully digital business that was, you know, very much operating in the cloud and operating in, in you know, in an industry that's completely shifted um, with, 
you know, everyone speaks about you know, inflation of, of the, the state balance sheets and essentially the, the whole institutional interest, you know, shifting into cryptos. That's really helped fuel volume, and has really, you know, we, we're very much we market neutral. We're very much a volume-based business, so it's really, really helped us. That that build even more traction behind the business, and that's helped actually. That's helped us, you know, um, uh, close uh, so a round of uh, nearly three million dollars in early 2020. That was announced actually more around uh, May to June, um, and then these, the, you know, the, the the Series B. That's been quite an interesting round where you nearly you nearly where the 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 relationship between VCs and entrepreneurs flips because there's so much more money at that stage, and and uh, you know many strategic partners that we want to to, to align um, interest with. Um, yeah. So we 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 essentially um, yeah packed as many people and tried to manage everyone's um, um, so, yeah, cultures and expectations to to, so to get that to work. So how how has this investment um, positioned you guys against your competitors? So. You mentioned earlier, you know, the the established uh, traditional markets. You know, some of your competitors have you know significant balance sheets. So, you know, what does this investment open up for you, and and what's now on your roadmap? So, a um, couple of layers and well, a couple of questions and and one there. Um, one thing is uh, I, and it's maybe because we all work in a in a fairly large prop firm before. You know, that's that's privately held, you know, for whatever that, that weighs about five or six billion. So, so, so we're already sort of working for a billionaire when we, when we started in trading uh, you know, 15 years ago now for, for me. And, uh, and, and so getting access to capital is probably is, is, uh, is nearly never the problem. It's more about building the right amount of trust with whoever is actually allocating that capital to you. So in terms of the size of the balance sheets, I think it's, it's often, yeah, it's it's often misguided. It's true that you know the virtue and the jump and so on can, um, you know, can 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 try to you know push their weight around, but it's not necessarily helpful in this space. We've yeah. actually gained from being more nimble at the start, from being able to to address you know smaller coins like you know and having a deeper relationship with you know smaller foundations, mm-hmm. while while the big guys were just focused on you know BTC and maybe ETH, and and actually cover that part really well. Um, or actually, some bigger guys like you know uh, Tower typically just just purely doing perps. Um, so actually, we, we we were able because we were smaller and more nimble, we we're able to actually cover more of the, uh, the 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 longer tail. And we see this now as a strong differentiation, and it also helps us develop uh, two things to 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 take the segue to the roadmap question as such. We're building um, deeper relationship with foundations. And we're also automating a lot of the the OTC business that we are creating. So we, um, until mid 2020, we were pretty much only on screen, only integrating with exchanges, mm-hmm. and and only uh, you know streaming quotes through through them. And and now it's much more about all the smaller venues, the uh, the ECNs, the uh, the funds, the lenders, the wallets who mm-hmm. want to trade with us directly. They will have access, so they already have access to an RFQ system. They will have access to 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 a stream to trade with us uh, directly if they if they wish to do so. Uh, so that's very much that's very much on the roadmap. Yeah, that's and then, and then we have a slight you know sort of you know geographic expansion around you know uh, getting most likely in Singapore, but having you know starting a team in Asia. Brilliant, very exciting stuff. 
So, uh, Constantine, you have pretty good visibility uh, in this vertical as well at both Bitbull Capital and Wave Financial. Um, can you start by telling us a little bit about each of those firms and your role within each of them and where they're positioned in this market? Sure. <clears throat> um, yeah, first of all, I want to congrats, uh, congratulate also Johan and the team with the success. So we're always happy to Thank see you more and more projects who are making it. And I think it's a very reasonable approach to be humble and nimble and to focus on the execution. So yeah, in, in Bitbull Capital, just in a few words, it's the first fund of funds in the space. So like we, it's good to be pioneer in something. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, we appeared in 2017 after different ideations uh, process and uh, understanding trying to understand what's the, what's needed in the market. Back in the days, there was less than 120 hedge funds in the world. You know, I'm talking about specifically crypto-oriented investment mm -hmm. strategies. Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, I'm a partner there, so we, we do diligence funds. We do a lot of research uh, and uh, generally, you know, support the ecosystem by just, you know, allocating capital to other prominent hedge funds. By the way, uh, Pantera, you know, is uh, one of our... Uh, uh, one of our funds where we allocate. So, uh, so there's there's already indirect connection. <laughs> um, now, in terms of uh, Wave Financial, so we are also um, asset managers. We have a, uh, I would say, wider array of our interests. So we have a venture arm. So it's a VC. Uh, oriented hedge funds, uh, and uh, we also allocated to a lot of projects. Uh, there's a lot of there's information on our website, so you can take a look at what projects. A lot of them are uh, also prominent, and we have a, a wealth management arm where we pride ourselves to uh, build up an expertise, you know, to manage uh, uh, crypto whales uh, assets. You know, like it's I think about it as a uh, you know, private banking just in crypto. Uh, if you will go to, you know, the usual suspects, you know, the UBSs of the world, the Morgan Stanley, the, you know, Goldman Sachs, and you tell them, listen, I have a portfolio of 20 exotic crypto assets, they will look at you and say, well, good for you. <laughs> and that will be the end of the conversation. Um, they, they are not a, unfortunately, they're my, I have friends who just called me recently from Morgan Stanley and asked our expertise to assist them, like, because they have inquiries to work with their clients, but they cannot, you know, yeah. we are also registered investment advisors. So we have a um, high standards of fiduciary responsibility. We work with only qualified custodians, by the way. One of the first, uh, one of the firms that we work with is Fidelity, and another is Copper. Copper is in London as well. One of the biggest mm -hmm. uh, firms. I know they were present in your, um, uh, in your show. So, so yeah, we, we we also have several hedge funds which we rolled out. Not to go like really deep in it. One of them is Bitcoin Income and Growth Fund. So it's a cover call option strategy. Pretty successful. You know, we did like. Um, great returns. I cannot, you know, say online what exactly are the returns, but you know, again, you can you can inquire more information. You know, there's a lot of uh, info on our website, and we publish a lot of um, educational articles. And the second fund is more of a private equity game, and it's a pretty innovative. We tokenize Kentucky whiskey, uh, uh, ultra premium bourbon distillery, um, uh, made at a fund, and it's. I would say it's a first successful project of its kind, and we already partnered with INX. We're going to list it in one year on INX, and it's going to be this so-called uh, STO play, security token offering. Again, I'm sure. Cool. Yeah, that's very cool. I love to hear those stories. 
Yeah, so we're trying to innovate. We're trying to apply our expertise where we can and uh, literally don't stop at uh, like and creating more um, uh, innovative strategies. So, you know, being the first fund of funds, um, you know, the options, the early options were limited. And, you know, in the last bear market, a good number of those um, funds didn't survive. So how has the landscape changed since you guys started out? Um, and what are you seeing now in terms of opportunities that Johan and his team have created? So to answer your first question, it, it is true. There are a lot of uh, funds uh, that are, you know, they're bankrupted. Mm. I, I think we have this uh, uh, kind of enigma when we talk about funds and we think, oh, they, they just have a lot of money. They, nobody knows where it's coming from, but they're coming from also uh, other institutions or individuals, right? You know, so right. this is another trust, very similar as Jan was mentioning, right? You, you, you trust either a project or a fund manager who's allocating your capital. Wow. Now, so if you think about it as a startup, a lot of funds are essentially startups, you know, like, and it's a really tough business. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of people don't make it like, because you need to uh, prove yourself for several years and then you are going to be even considered uh, to be a contender to have institutional money real from endowments, from uh, pension funds or from other organizations and in, as you know in crypto it's even you know more complex question because you need to educate them a lot <laughs> so so uh, yeah a lot of funds do bankrupt and we just survived because we had like really strong backers like we even in a bear market there was you know there there's not a lot of redemptions at all so that means we somehow build this trust with our lps Number one, number two, it's also, you know, it's also about returns. If you are making a good bet on the other underlying crypto hedge funds that are performing the way you expect them to perform and you, you know, bring returns to your investors, that's your job. Yeah. And you're doing a great job and you're surviving. Uh, and if you're not, then the other like Darwin laws, they apply, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, both of your firms are very active in the crypto markets and market infrastructure has uh, clearly improved over the last couple of years. And, and even through that um, improvement, we, we still see exchanges struggle during hype cycles. And even this latest bull run wasn't immune to some exchanges, you know, struggling to handle the volume during busy periods. So, Johan, what's your take on this? And how well do you think exchanges and brokers are doing at improving access and connectivity? So it's, um, I can give you a partial answer. So, so we don't deal, we don't really integrate with, with, you know, brokers yet much. Um, exchanges, we've, we've done a lot of integrations, but we, we integrate, we connect directly. Mm -hmm. um, if it's, um, if, if you look at the last three years or so, it's massively improved. It's really just a, you know, it's, it's day and night uh, in terms of, um, you know, the, the amount of orders, cancellations and so on that, that they can support. Like we can generally sustain a high frequency business uh, today, you know, through through the top 20, 25 exchanges. Okay. There, there are and there will probably always be some struggles around um Busy times, just because, um, just because of two factors. I would say one factor is that 
um, yeah, there's just many more people interested, many more users interested in, in you know, interacting with the crypto space in general. And then the second big factor is that you do have more and more and obviously better built and, you know, more efficient, you know, still layer one that, uh, you know, chains just coming onto uh, uh, into the space and, you know, launching their mainnets. And then, and then, and then you always need teams that exchanges to, you know, have the expertise to, to, to really maintain and go and integrate and so on. And then, um, and and usually when not too much happens, you don't really see what where the cracks are. And then as soon as there's a bit more volume, then you just start to see the cracks. And and it's um yeah, there's definitely some some exchanges have you know have been able to build you know strong engineering teams around these issues. But um yeah, I don't think it's a problem that will go, especially with you know all the de- all the developments around. You know, we still see new chains you know, coming, coming in into the yeah. space like every week. So um, I don't think that's there to change, but in general, overall, in terms of um, can we, can, can we, you know, uh, have a flourishing high frequency business in the crypto space nowadays? Definitely. Like, you know, you can. Well, where, where are we now in terms of the high and high frequency trading versus traditional markets? So my favorite example to use is the public example of Virtue when they listed in 2015 is they were training about two, two and a half million times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, with this whole number of like people sort of complaining that they were making money every day, but when you trade that much, you expected to make money every day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we're now, I'm happy to, to say that we, we do trade one, one and a half million times a day already at, at Wintermute. And, and, you know, it should be in the two million, two, two and a half million times a day towards, you know, the end of this year, if not, if not before. So, so the maturity of the space is definitely there. And, you know, if we're able to do that and, you know, we cover sometimes 15, 20% market share in some T2 exchanges, but we're nowhere near those numbers in T1 exchanges. Um, so I'm sure the exchanges in the background have, you know, have been able to, uh, you know, to, 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 to build, you know, enough infrastructure to, to, to manage, you know, proper high to, to even what you could call ultra high frequency businesses. So, so yeah. it's, yeah, that's quite positive. So, Constantine, with your VC hat on, what's still lacking um, in the market infrastructure environment, and what projects are you aware of that are in the early stages of addressing this that that you think are on the right track to solving this problem? So it's a good question. I would say very uh, uh, global question, right? Because you know, we're talking about what's lacking. I, I can probably rant on like, you know, for an hour, like, you know, so I'll just try to be like concise and say- Your two top things. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the top things I would say, look, uh, right now it's consolidation. I wouldn't I wouldn't um, emphasize certain projects because, uh, you know, they will, I would say, might potentially decrease the value of their competitors. And they're, you know, as you know, in the market, it, it's always- the nature of the market there are for one particular angle if we're, if we're talking about uh amms liquidity pools uh, i don't know custody otc like you know there is always like five ten different players they might wow. capture different markets and they're also valuable so i don't want to just uh, uh, confuse people but what i would say that it's, it's basically consolidation and an ability to identify players who actually support a certain infrastructure to give you an example like you know right now where we are uh, partnering with Cardano Foundation, IOHK, and we are creating uh, a VC fund that will specifically seed, you know, like they, their 
you know, the, the underlying infrastructure projects that are bu built on Cardano. Uh -huh. Now, I think more and more of such projects will appear to have like a certain focus, you know, like that, because there are so many different chains, there are so many uh, opportunities to, uh, to, to introduce interoperability and to like to make systems work together. I think right now for me, the biggest challenge is that there are a lot of exchanges, like thousands of them right now. And people are sometimes confused. Why do you need another one? There, yeah. are, a lot of, there are a lot of OTC desks. There are a lot of, um, uh, market makers, and I think they need to work together. They need to start uh, like aligning their goals and to enable, uh, whether it's an institutional customer or a retail uh, uh, customer, an individual, to have a better uh, look and feel and the the usability of like like going not transferring your assets from one platform to another, but being able to integrate solutions and and you know trading and uh, uh, sending your assets from one platform to another easily. That's yeah. what I would love to see more and more. Well, that consolidation that you're talking about and you know, creating um, not single markets, but fewer markets potentially uh, is definitely the direction that institutions are more familiar with. And you know, we bound this institutional term around you know, fairly lightly. How far up the, the bridge um, or the, you know, the, the hierarchy of institutions are we, you know, if the institutions are finally coming and it seems that this year we've seen um, a lot more activity when we're talking about institutions, how far up the ladder have we gone, Constantine? Who are these players? Well, well, there are the biggest names in the industry. Like you've seen uh, BlackRock recently, like launching, you know, two derivative uh, funds they filed for the SEC to 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 play in this uh, uh, game. And I I, I I see one of the top names. You know, look at the grayscale trust. You know, like we have top twenty financial advisor uh, uh, firms. You know, we have uh, top hedge funds. We have even uh, indirectly some of the endowments and, uh, you know, even pensions funds are now allocating directly to hedge funds. So oh. me meaning indirectly to projects, but, you know, they're allocating to the vehicles they understand. You can only imagine what will happen when the ETF will be approved. We're going to unlock probably immediately about a trillion dollar of capital, like easily. Um, now, uh, the fact that PayPal right now is is also introducing it to their audience of you know with 340 million people and 24 million businesses, so that's a huge thing. And and, and it's not even 25 percent of adoption. Like you know we are still looking at the curve where exponentially people are only starting to use you know such platforms you know to to even buy and sell uh, you know their their pairs. And it's only top four, top five that are listed. So what I, I do envision that there are um, probably one of the latest news, which is quite interesting, that more and more trusts are being opened. You know, like today there there was uh, applications, you know, for uh, Chainlink, Aave, Cardano, and other players to basically uh, attract more institutional capital. So we've yeah. seen like how Ethereum reflected on this, like, and I think that the more and more uh, capital will be unlock from this level, uh, we will see major adoption and the trust will shift. And I think it's already happening. One of the things I will mention, the last point, 
It was an interesting survey conducted by Fidelity, actually, recently. They interviewed more than 740 different institutional investors from ranging from United States and Europe. Uh One third of them already allocate into crypto. Uh, like I, this number increased, you know, probably uh, like by 15%, you know, and, and the trust changes, you know, like financial advisors are starting to ask more questions and their, their clients are pushing them literally. So yeah. the, the trend is very positive. And I think uh, last, uh, uh, you know, like lastly, what I would say that it's no longer a choice. If you're a CIO and CFO and you're listening to this, I mean, if you're not allocating at least 1% of your client's money to crypto, uh, you're going to be fired. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, Elon, so thinking again about these institutions, um, how have you seen deployment strategies compare to some of the early adopters? So as the institutional market starts to mature, you know, what assets are they focused on? So, you know, we mentioned DTFs a minute ago. Um you know, what are their risk management strategies? What's their behavior like? So there's um, there's a few aspects to the question. I think um, to to complement a bit uh, Constantine's uh, answer, I think I think we've seen so probably the first institutional money in the crypto space was was essentially venture capital because they're a bit more uh, or they like risk or, or or they can wait a lot longer mm-hmm. before being judged for the choices they made. So it just gives them a bit more flexibility. Um, but essentially, yeah, seeing you know macro funds and because because people understand you know well the devaluation of the dollar essentially, mm-hmm. uh, and then even down to the pension funds and the insurance you know the insurance group, which are normally the hardest to get across with uh, you know anything that looks remotely risky. Um, uh, yeah, to 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 to, to complement the point on you know people you know being fired potentially if they have an allocated crypto. I think anyone with a net with net assets should allocate to cryptos to a degree just because of the, you know, uh, the, the value of any fiat currency going uh, well melting away with, uh, with all the, you know, the bailout packages and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that drives, um, I think it drives money in certain ways. It does drive, especially with the constraints of investment committees and most funds, it does drive people towards a slightly you know, slower um, uh, deployment cycles, and let's say, let's call it the monthly investment committee. And also it drives things towards very much, um, you know, the one, very much one, uh, one aspect of, you know, BTC, BTC first, um, just because I think, you know, going and, and, and getting, a, you know, a Bitcoin allocation uh, approved, that's already a big thing. I think going into, you know, Ethereum and starting to get and, and get people to understand you know, an ecosystem where you're building decentralized, you know, smart applications and so on is probably a, a whole, whole different ball game. A little more complex, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so we see, we see, we see that very, it's very top heavy. That's one thing. The second thing we see as well, and it's actually a, a, a nice little, uh, you know, tailwind for 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 our, you know, uh, OTC and, and one of the reasons why we prioritize the, the people integrating with us directly is actually many of these institutions can't actually go, want to know exactly who they trade with and, and can't necessarily uh, go and trade through, you know, through your, 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 your former employer, uh, you know, Binance and, and so on. And, uh, and, it, and, it's, and it's not that they, they don't want to, but they don't necessarily have the whole, you know, trail, of, the, the whole audit trail and, and, and the whole KYC ML that they need to, to go through. 
-hmm. uh, so they can do that with us essentially. Um, and then through that, we see a lot more, and I think it's probably some of the shift in the trading patterns is that we see less crypto to crypto with these uh, with institu these institutions. We very much see a crypto to fiat move. So we very much see them deploying fiat to go and buy uh, cryptos. Uh, and, and then also maybe explain some of the move of, um, you know, some cryptos being uh, taken or withdrawn from centralized exchanges over the last few months. That's actually just go and buy it and then they, they handle their own custody as well. So it's, it's changed some of the behavior. So are they uh, buying and holding or are they actively managing the holdings in some way? So it, it depends on the funds. I think if, it's, if you're more macro or pension fund, basically more actively you know, buying and holding. If it's, we are starting to see what I was hoping would happen three years ago, which is we, we start to see the top 50. So people who have more fluidity in allocations can start to have something that looks like a long short where you have a top 50 that's starting to be liquid enough so that they can go and allocate, I don't know, three, four, $5 million, you know, lag in, I don't know, being long tezos and short something else or so. And then, um, and then so you can start to, you, you, there's enough liquidity now in the top 50 to basically, you know, have a, a, a genuine quant, um, you know, uh, market neutral strategy as well. So that's 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 helping new new funds to to enter and new institutions to enter the space. Brian, can I jump in on this comment because I, I actually have a little Please. bit of a different opinion on this. Okay. So I I actually think that unfortunately right now there the the I wouldn't say there is enough liquidity. So I understand where Johanna is coming from, but I, I actually think if if a one major quant will join the game. They can literally like think about it with hundred million dollars and a ten x leverage. They can manipulate the entire market. So mm -hmm. that's that's the scary part of it. Like you know that I hope that liquidity will should like will improve like ten times. You know and then like it will slowly get to the level where we want it to be. Number one. Number two. I think another important trend is is a. Uh, um, different different derivative markets are uh, needs to be established like there is only like right now the major one are bitcoin and ethereum and others are like they're just starting to build this infrastructure mm -hmm. and the third point i think from institutional adoption perspective what we see with bitcoin is this uh uh role of digital gold you know like i uh major com private companies and etf like companies uh, um they are also looking at it as a with a hundred years view, and they're like just something like micro strategy. Like you know, I've interviewed Michael Saylor personally, and you know, <laughs> putting one point two billion dollars into Bitcoin from his publicly traded company that's that's impressive. Like that uh -huh. shows you how confident you should be, uh, and it's it, it's still being scrutinized a lot everywhere. You know, like so people still don't understand how is it even possible. Like, are, and what what it makes you as a company? Are you a technological company, or you're all of a sudden a Bitcoin holder? So, uh, and but Square, other like major firms are doing that. I think this trend will continue. And there was an interesting analysis from Kathy Wood from Mark Investment that if. 1% of S&P 500 companies will add, you know, Bitcoin to their treasuries. That will equate to increase of the price of Bitcoin of $40,000. So that, that's just interesting fact too. Works for me. <laughs> I support that. <laughs> okay, so uh, gentlemen, it's still January. Um, we, we have kicked off the year with a bit of a bull run. Um, what's next, Johan? What's your prediction for the year? 
Oh, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Financial disclaimer slash, you know, on, only my view. Um, I'm actually in terms of we. So we trade market neutrals to basically, you know, take it with a grain of salt. So you know, I would be running, a, you know, running a directional fund if if uh, if I had a lot of weight there. But uh, but in terms of more the 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 you know the former macro you know, the macro sort of fund manager hat. I think I think there's a lot of you know there's a lot of liquidity coming into the space and it's just it's just simply it's such a you know at a trillion ish it's still such a tiny space compared to you know many other asset classes that I I really I mean people compare things with you know Bitcoin with you know digital gold and so on and try to you know drive sort of future valuations through that um, or simply the value of the ecosystem or or you know displacements and so on I think um, I think the short answer is, uh, I mean, there are, you know, uh, there the, the, you know, reasonable, you know, single digit positive deltas on options on, you know, Derabit for the end of this year for, you know, calls at, you know, $250,000, uh-huh. $300,000 for Bitcoin. It's, it's definitely non-zero. Um, now, if it's, you know, uh, above, you know, seeing $100,000, $150,000 wouldn't surprise me. Um, now I'm I'm curious. I'm probably more curious about the rest of the space and and seeing um, you know new ecosystems like Polkadot, you know, building an enormous community. I'm very curious to see um, you know uh, Definity, you know, uh, listing and so on. That, that will be quite interesting because they've got you know quite 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 a big ecosystem as well. I mean, um, and there's there's many. Yeah, trying to trying to trying to see also how the will there be really a genuine shift from the Ethereum ecosystem that's been essentially everything apart from Bitcoin until now, mm-hmm. and just see um, yeah see see how that plays out and um, yeah I think I think I think there's there's very interesting innovation in the space and it and and I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna pick winners as such but in terms of yeah where the flow is going now um, considering you know the institutions and, and what we discussed around the institutions. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if we do, you know, two or three, four X in 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 the uh, in the crypto space uh, this year. Kelsey Jane, what about you? What what are you expecting to see? What are you hoping to happen? What do you think twenty twenty one is going to look like? Well, I wish I have a I would have a crystal ball, but I I, I what I expect uh, honestly is that uh, we would see more positive educational content coming out, like you know, like what you guys are doing, and I think that is important. We're still in a very early adoption, and people have a lot of myth towards you know digital assets generally. Mm. Uh, on a more professional level, I actually um, think that what happened already we 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 broke a psychological barrier. So so I expect Bitcoin will not go down less than 20,000 and it will be somewhere in the range between like 20 and 60. Um, you know, where it's going to go like at the end of the year. I mean, I can say I hope that it's going to go closer to 50 to 60 range. And I, uh, there's all type of different analysis to support this idea. But again, this is speculation. So I'm not a financial advice. <laughs> um, now, in terms of uh, DeFi, I'm actually a big believer that DeFi will... Uh, 
uh, will search even more and it will become like uh, more adopted and more understood. There's a lot of great projects going on uh, as we speak. And mm -hmm. I believe that the total value locked will be $50 billion by 2021. I believe that with uh, proportionally with Bitcoin surpassing $1 trillion uh in the market cap like the you know the ethereum community will also increase tremendously and there's all like it's if you uh, look at the matclaff law like you know it, it has all opportunities like to even outperform in the absolute returns ratio uh bitcoin uh, and then I believe that proportionally uh, the stable coin market capitalization will increase to hundred billion dollars if that yeah. would happen. And uh, so there are a bunch of other things which will happen and the trend is just growing adoption, um, you know, on both retail and institutional level. I hope that the regulators will be also uh, favorable this like in the United States, as you know, there, we are actually having the new folks who are coming in, like who are very educated on the topic, which yeah. makes me very excited about it. Um, yeah, and generally, I, I hope more staking pools will, will exist, more derivative markets will be developed, and generally, we will have um, a better like collaboration within the industry. Fantastic. Well, both, I would say, net positive predictions on 2021 from both of you. <laughs> Johan, Constantine, both, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tina.